Welcome to the world of culture pop with Steve Mason and Sue Kalinsky. Culture, comedy, movies, TV, tech, authors, trends, pop, pop. This is the Culture Pop Podcast. On this episode of the Culture Pop Podcast, we are joined by actor Troy Kotzer, who is the first deaf actor ever to be nominated for an individual Screen Actors Guild Award. He is one of the stars of this year's Oscar frontrunner, CODA. Don't forget, you can subscribe to the Culture Pop Podcast and feel free to leave us a rating and a review. Troy, thank you so much for doing this. Hey, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me, being a part of this. You know, we absolutely love this movie. Uh, rewatched it over the weekend. Such a, an emotional experience. My my partner watched the movie, just, just loved it. He watched it for the first time. You've got such a long career as an actor. What does a role like this mean to you? Really, it means that I, I just wanted to show that Frank Rossi, as, as a character, has emotion, just like everyone else. And it's whatever your experience is as parents, whether you have a deaf or hearing kids, it's just something where you have a relationship with a son or a daughter. And it doesn't matter if they're deaf or hearing or Down syndrome or you name it. Just the point of the story is about that relationship and those emotions that happen. And so I have a daughter who's a junior in high school and I'm not ready to let her go yet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that to me was the beauty of the film that it could have been about anybody. You know, it didn't have to be a deaf family. That's what came through. The only difference is that you had a daughter that you had to rely on for your livelihood. And that was the big, big difference. Absolutely. Exactly. I think there's a lot of people out there that don't really know what the life of a CODA is like. And my daughter, she's herself, she's a child of deaf adults. And so her friends, and they seem like they don't really understand what her experience is as a CODA, which is frustrating. But then this film coming out is great. And that's an opportunity to portray what it's actually like to be raised as a CODA with a deaf family. And so you're bridging the hearing and deaf world with our film, which has been wonderful. And it's been a very unique production. So for this movie, you and your family are commercial fishermen. You're out on that boat and you're, you're doing all the stuff that uh, the fishermen do. How did, how did you learn that world? So I had never fished and I went water skiing growing up and, you know, and I was barefoot in the water, but I had never fished, you know, and I had been at a lake in Arizona growing up. And obviously I had never seen any whales in that lake, right? They don't live in lakes. And so when I got this role and I had to become a fisherman, you know, there was a very strong fishing community out there and I had to really socialize with them and integrate uh, their clothes, their behavior, how they walked, how they wore these thick gloves out on this open water to protect their hands, of course, from hooks or getting cut as they're gathering in these, these sea creatures. And so it was really fun for me to become this character and as much as I could dive in as a fisherman. And it was, it was amazing. But to be honest, I never eat seafood. You know, I'm not that kind of person. And I really don't like eating seafood. But it was fun for me to play this character and to just 
move forward and dive in. It, it was an amazing experience. So how much did yourself and your, um, your deaf um, co-stars have involvement in, in the film? Like, did, were there things that you had to let the director know, you know, this isn't really accurate to our world? Talk to me about that. One great example, I'll never forget this moment, is when they were setting up the furniture in the deaf character's home, in the Rossi family home. We had an ASL director, a director of ASL, who was Ann Tomasetti, and another one called Alexandria Wales. And so as ASL consultants, they were there and Marley too, and said, hey, this furniture setup is not deaf friendly. It wouldn't be how a typical deaf family would set up their furniture. So imagine if you're hearing, you might, you could sit side by side and not need to look at each other while you're speaking. You can just use your ears. But for deaf people, it's so, we prefer to be opposite others so we can see each other and just communicate comfortably. And so they had to make that adaptation and that change on set. And the script, so what Sean, our director, had written in our script in English and had brought that in, there were some ironic jokes in English which really don't land and so in, in ASL. So I'd say, hey, can I try this from a deaf cultural perspective? I think I understand what your intent is and what of the joke. Can I try a few options? Not realizing that it might be much further than what was intended when it was written. But it was a beautiful way of working through that process with our director. And she was so sensitive and respectful to our deaf culture. She wasn't like my way or the highway. She was so flexible and willing to work with us. And we were able to share as much as we could give to the value of the final product. But really, we had plenty of fun doing it. And it was such a nice experience. You've got a scene in this movie where your daughter played beautifully by Amelia Jones. She's got such a great voice, uh, sings, and you sort of hold your hands on her throat to feel what that music sounds like. How, how does music feel to you? I'll be honest with you. So when my, when my daughter, whether in this film or my daughter in real life, you know, we, as far as the audience reaction, we, I would depend on the audience reaction. And that was throughout my, my life. And so my daughter, I remember when she was about five years old, and it was the first time she sang. And I didn't really care. I went to one of her recitals. I just wanted to see my daughter. But I saw my sister-in-law crying. And I noticed that. And I said, hey, why is she crying? And she goes, your daughter is so sweet. She has such a beautiful voice. And I said, huh, that was something maybe I had missed. So again and again, I would go to my real-life daughter's recitals. And now my daughter is actually learning how to play guitar and piano. And, and the flute. And so, you know, I feel like that's her world, but I'm curious about it. And so I'm, how do I know if she's good or not? You know, I would always have to depend on other hearing people and if they love what she's doing. And if I see someone sleeping and another person texting, that means my daughter sucks <laughs> and she's not very good at singing. And so that's how I'll know. And so it's really important to me to, to kind of gauge their reactions and borrow their reactions of hearing the emotion behind the music. 
And so that kind of helped me as the character of Frank Rossi understand how, if Ruby, if she's talented at singing or not. And so that's what led to that moment was Frank Rossi's curiosity and wanting to unveil the mystery of understanding his own daughter and really understanding and, and delving into his daughter's singing. And so that really helped me understand this character better. Hmm. Yeah, because there was that scene when you and Marley pull up to her high school to pick her up and the music coming from your car is very, very loud. And she's embarrassed by it and she turns it down and then you turn it up because you say that um, you like gangster rap because of the bass, because of how it feels. Is that is that accurate? Yeah. So I have to admit that all over the deaf community, they all love the vibrations from drums, the pounding of the vibrations of the drums. And so I have to tell you that, and I'll never forget this. So my daughter and her friends, and so they come into my home and they came in at late at midnight, maybe around 10 o'clock at night and they were playing music. And so I told them, can you turn it down? And they didn't care what I said because they knew that I was deaf and they knew I couldn't hear the music. So an hour later, sure enough, the cops showed up and they knocked on our door. I opened the door and the cops were talking to me and I said, what is it? And they said, the music is too loud. And I smiled and I said, come here. So the cop came with me, went upstairs to my daughter's bedroom and opened the door. And my daughter was singing and dancing and looked over and saw two cops in her doorway saying, hey, turn the volume down. And I was like, hey, it's not my problem anymore. <laughs> oh, that's great. And so that was that was a great experience. So you got to work with Marley Matlin in this movie. She is, I mean, an Academy Award winner. She's a trailblazer. I mean, she's a legend. What was it like working with her? I remember when I was younger, I was 17 years old and I was in high school and I saw Children of a Lesser God. And it was extremely inspiring to me because it was the first time I saw an authentic deaf role portrayed on screen. And at that point, this is 35 years later. And so through the years, you know, yes, it was inspiring. And I was really hoping that I'd be able to work and I struggled and I really had to focus on the stage. And that was a friendly zone for me where it was an opportunity for me to, to show my work and have those experiences and grow as an actor. And so until CODA emerged 35 years later, finally have an opportunity and an honor to work with Marley, who is my wife in the film. And so, you know, we had a love scene, a lovemaking scene. Uh, I had to do a love scene with an Oscar winner. Imagine what that was like. And so she told me, she goes, hey, you're my first deaf sex scene. You're the first deaf guy I made love to on screen. And so I felt honored in that way. So I, I, I know, I know people that, that know her and they say that she has a, uh, uh, she's very funny and has a very dirty sense of humor. So were there any hijinks working on the film with her that you can share with us? So we would kind of work together and we would improv different options for certain lines. And so when we weren't, when I wasn't in the shot, I'll never forget it. I was making a baked potato and, and it looked like a dick. 
with balls. <laughs> and, and I was showing the cast while they were shooting. And Marley was making this facial expression like she was disgusted. And that rawness was actually captured. But, you know, I felt like we were a real family working on set. We understood each other. We were able to joke around. And what we put forward was really best for the picture. And it was honest, you know, what you see in the film. What's the first thing, the movie or TV or play that, that really made you want to be an actor, that made you say, yeah, I, I want to do that? When I was younger, I think the most inspiring moment was in the movies to, to dive into that fantasy. When I first saw Star Wars, it blew my mind. And I was eight years old and I saw it 28 times in the theater as an eight-year-old because there was so much going on visually. It was so colorful the costumes, the aliens, you know, all of the spaceships. As an eight-year-old, there was so much going on. And remember, I'm watching this film without closed captioning. I'm watching it without access because this is back in the 70s. So keep that in mind. And that, and so today, I see a big change. And finally, with CODA, you have complete access with subtitles for everyone. And so it's really exciting to see the audience be able to react simultaneously, whether they're deaf, hearing, or hard of hearing, they're able to all react at the same moment and laugh and cry together and share these emotions together. And it's not very often that I've seen that. I've not seen that growing up. And you know, I am a movie freak, just to be honest with you. I love film. I love movies. And that's why I became an actor. But I know that what is good and what is bad, you know, it doesn't matter if I hear it or not, but you can see the acting. You can see how the actor, the actors bring put forth these roles. And so, yeah, that's the short of the long. Given that you love Star Wars, it must have been amazing getting that part in The Mandalorian and becoming part of the Star Wars universe. You played a Tusken Raider and you even invented a fictional sign language. What was that experience like? Absolutely. It was so exciting. And I think what's interesting is we had to make sure that it was clear that the Tusken Raider doesn't use ASL. The Tusken Raider doesn't use American Sign Language. A lot of hearing people don't know that. I wanted to put that aside and focus on Tuscan Sign Language because this is their desert environment and their costumes and their clothing and their, their culture and religion and all of that plays a factor in their language and their sign language and their gesticulation. And so when the director and producer, uh, when Dave, Dave Finloni and, and John... Favreau and all that and, and whatever they were deciding was it was really an honor to to share that and share what I had created with them and I'm really happy that they trusted me with that and we were able to bring something different and invent this new form this Tuscan sign language which I think really made a big difference in the final production. Yeah, you know, in the last couple of years it's been more prevalent that we see signers like on newscasts um, and there's so many that there's, it looks like there's so many different styles of it. And sometimes I'll watch it with my husband. It's like, someone is like being like very emphatically physical. And then sometimes somebody is just being kind of small with it. Um, do you ever notice people saying things that aren't accurate in their translation? Well, wow. You know, this is. A damn good question, Sue. Thank you. So just what you said. So 
there's all different types of styles, whether it's East Coast, West Coast, North or South, um, all over the United States. It's parallel to accents or vocal in, vocal inflection. So you might have a Southern accent or in the Northeast, you might talk really fast, or you might have all of these different types of inflections and accents. And so that is similar with American Sign Language. And it's amazing because many people don't realize that there's different types of signing and styles of signing. But the bottom line is that the concept's the same. And when these interpreters are popping up in these news broadcasts, I've been thrilled because I have to admit that I it's thanks to COVID, it's thanks to the pandemic that actually there's been more access to ASL. And, and so what's happening is the interpreter has to be up there with these state governors and, and all of these announcements. And so ASL has been visible throughout the pandemic. And so that's been the one been one amazing a part of it is the impact of the pandemic and bringing ASL forward. So I think it's, you know, somehow been the right time for us too. So I, I was talking to Steve before we got on the, on the air that I watched this documentary called, um, see what I'm saying. And it does a, it does a, uh, a depiction. It has like five different deaf performers that it follows throughout the film. It's so lovely and so moving. And there's one guy in it. He's an actor, Robert DeMaio, who, uh, He's absolutely charming and extremely talented. And he was falling on hard times. And a friend of his um, let him live in uh, a room in his place. And they were having a conversation. And the guy was was hearing. And he was doing some kind of like moderate sign language with him. And he wasn't, Robert wasn't exactly getting what the guy was saying. He was saying something about the Beatles. But Robert kept on thinking it was Beatle like a bug. Right. And in interview and but he he said to the guy, I, I get it. I get what you're saying. But in interview, he shared that many deaf people say they understand when they don't. Have you ever come across that? And and, and does that ring true for you? Through the years, you know, and throughout the 90s, I've seen some adjustments and I realize that sometimes you have to adjust to a specific situation and you have to have the right interpreter too, because I've had times where I've had different interpreters and, and they have their own voice or they don't interpret exactly what the person said or what the deaf person signed. It just doesn't match up. And there's communication breakdowns because like the interpreter right now, during this interview, uh, I'm using this interpreter, Justin, because I've been working with him for a while and he knows my character and my style and he can kind of read what I'm thinking and be familiar with my jokes. And he's known my experience in film and stage. And so he's grown with me. If we put another interpreter in this situation, the interpreter wouldn't know anything about my background. And so how can this interpreter speak for me? He could make me look stupid. And so my point is, is that with interpreters, you have to make sure that you stick with an interpreter. So you understand why Marley why Marley Matlin has had the same interpreter for so many years because they know each other, they have a relationship and, and he knows her, her work well. So if there's a stranger coming in as an interpreter who doesn't know anything about me, it might make me look inarticulate or, you know, it's, so it's a very sensitive subject. And so now that I happen to be breaking into show business and being in the spotlight and getting all these nominations. And so I have to be very careful about 
getting the same interpreter and getting someone who knows me and I know them and we have a relationship and we could play golf or we could joke around. And so it becomes a personal relationship so that the two voices become one and the sign language and the voice working together. It's so important to me. So maybe you understand why Marley has used the same interpreter for so long. If you see what I mean? So the final sequence in this movie is so emotional. I mean, it really gets me. I think it gets everybody that watches uh, Coda. Frank's daughter, Ruby, gets out of the car and there's this group hug. And it's like someone's leaving this tight-knit family unit for the first time. And then you have one spoken word and it's the word go. And it is such a beautiful, emotional moment. Tell me about this scene for you as an actor. You know, I was so comfortable with all of these actors and all of the signed dialogue up into this one word where I had to use my voice. I was so nervous about because I didn't know what my voice sounded like because I can't hear my fucking voice. So what was important is to have a few takes and whatever the best vocal take was, they could, the editors could choose from. And so it was odd. So I felt that it was really important for me to feel like Frank owed that to Ruby because I took, uh, Frank took away Ruby's life experience and she had to sign her whole life. And so now the, the roles were reversed and Frank had to really make an effort and use his voice to show his daughter he is on her side. And if she hears that, she'll always remember her father's voice, Frank's voice moving forward while she's off at college. And so that was basically where I was coming from. And, but it was hard to let you know. So you have already won so many film critics awards for your performance and you've earned a SAG award nomination. Uh, the first deaf actor to be nominated for an individual Screen Actors Guild Award. And all that stuff means you could be walking on a red carpet at the Oscars. Have you thought about all that stuff, being at the Academy Awards as a nominee and everything that goes with that? Really, I'm not thinking too much about it because there's so many great competitors out there, so many talented actors and so many talented nominees. But to get the SAG nominee was such an honor for me because, and I'm extremely proud of it because I've been a member of SAG since 2001. And so now that they are recognizing me, it really means a lot. And, you know, it's hard for me to answer that question. And I don't know what to say, but I, I feel inspired that I'm able to share this spotlight with so many other talented actors. And so I, I do truly feel honored to be considered as a peer to the, and these, these are real high level A-list actors. And so I feel very blessed and I ha have so much respect um, and to the power of the dog to be nominated alongside him. He's an amazing actor too. And I really love his eyes and his eyes tell you so much. Mm. Well, listen, we love the movie. We love you in it. Uh, we, we really appreciate having you on the show. It's, it's been really, really cool uh, and much success. We wish you all the success with 
everything that's coming up, all the awards and all that stuff. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. Hey, you know, thank you, Steve and Sue. Thank you so much for having me as a part of your team today. It's been fun chatting with you. And remember to stay safe out there. You got it. Thank you, Troy. How cool is that? Oh, my God. It was it was like as moving as watching the film. Yeah. Doing, doing this interview with him. What a charming, lovable guy. You know, it amazes me. And, you know, we are we count ourselves among the the blessed in the world. But to have been born deaf and to have created that life and this career is so such a staggering but what a what a just an impressive impressive guy well you know you, you we do this interview it's the first time we ever did anything like this and uh, you know pretty much throughout the interview it's like i forgot he was even deaf even though there was an interpreter there yeah. you know because he exudes so much that I felt like I, you know, I mean, obviously we were having a conversation with him in an unconventional way, but it didn't feel any different than any other interview. You know, what was tricky is originally I was watching the interpreter. Mm-hmm. Um, and after a while, I, I realized, no, I've got to watch Troy. Troy is the one that's actually talking. It's not the, inter- it's a, just a weird sort of paradigm, you know? Mm, totally. So, uh, you know who makes this show possible? Sue! Our good buddy, Jacob and Ronnie. Jacob and Ronnie. And here's the deal. It's uh, 2022, brand new year. Uh, You're kicking it off and you've got resolutions and or like me, I'm rebooting my life. Um, And I've been successful so far early in the year, but I've still been. I told you that, right? I'm rebooting my life. Yeah, but, you know, you do the reboots more than they actually do. I do. I do. I'm like uh, a DC movies. I you just reboot and reboot. Batman. Like, I'm you, like Batman. You're like you're like the boy who cried reboot. <laughs> <laughs> so you're going along fine and everything's good. And all of a sudden you get rear-ended or you get sideswiped or uh, in any kind of accident. Um, or maybe it's a friend at work or uh, it's your wife or your kid. Look, it's a moment of panic. It's scary and overwhelming when there's an accident and you want somebody who has been doing this for a quarter century in this town to handle everything for you, dealing with your insurance company and their insurance company, all the paperwork, get you to a doctor within 24 hours if that's what you need. And this guy is my attorney. He should be your attorney too, Jacob and Ronnie. Remember, any kind of accident, any kind of injury, you want Jacob, 844-24-JACOB. That's 844-24-JACOB. 844-24-JACOB, or remember the catchy jingle, accident or injury. Call Jacob and Ronnie. Call oh, Jacob. Jacob. I think that's about as close as we've been. Pretty good. Yeah. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. Part of my reboot, getting the Jacob <laughs> and Ronnie jingle right. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this. It was really cool for for us, Troy. I I hope he wins the Academy Award. I I hope he wins it. What an amazing, what an amazing uh, guy. Um, And uh, don't forget, you can subscribe to the podcast. Please do that on Apple or Spotify. Leave us a rating and a review. We always appreciate that. And we will see you next time on the Culture Pop Podcast. Podcast.